talk about why do people struggle to, to find enough volunteers. And I think it's, it's hard because we often see recruiting as just a byproduct of ministry growth. So we think, okay, if my ministry's growing, uh, we're going to get more volunteers. We're going to figure out how to onboard them. We're gonna, uh, it just becomes a, a byproduct of ministry growth. Um, I think that's the wrong way of looking at it. In fact, um, I think the reason why many youth pastors struggle to recruit and they're always, I need more volunteers. I need more volunteers. And every ministry leader says that. But I think the reason why that's such a prevalent struggle for so many people is they think it's a byproduct, but what it really is, is a process. All right, well, welcome to another episode of the Pastors Roundtable podcast. I'm your host, Ryan Lath. I'm super excited to jump into this conversation with Landon, who we are going to hear some awesome stuff about onboarding your volunteers, as you've already heard. But before we jump into that conversation, I want to let you know that we have released our store. So uh, looking for some leadership material, looking for some support, buying books, things like that. You can go to our store. Go to renewedleadership.org slash store to get a hold of some brand new content brought to you fresh all the time. So check it out, guys. Wait, well, hey, let's jump into our conversation today. I've got Landon Reynolds for you. He is a pastor. He is a coach. He is a speaker and the founder of Strategic Student Ministry. This is a place for you to jump in and learn all kinds of ways to get your youth ministry and the, st- the systems put together. So Landon, thanks for jumping on this conversation, man. I'm ready for it. Man, thank you so much for having me on. I'm excited to dive in today. All right. So it's the holiday season and I want to know, tell me one of your favorite Christmas traditions growing up or even currently. Okay, so uh, I grew up in a divorced family, okay? So that's kind of the context here. And then my grandparents were also divorced. So I, growing up, had all kinds of different Christmases to be a part of, uh, which, when it comes to gifts, was, was kind of fun. Um, and, uh, but what I love now is now that I have my own kids, I, got, uh, I have uh, three kids, and um, I love that on Christmas morning, we don't do anything. Um, that is my favorite tradition now, is that we're not running all around town. Uh, we wake up, we make our cinnamon bread, we get our thickly sliced bacon, and, uh, and we just open gifts and have our family time. And I absolutely love that. Okay, so that was one of the big things that we had to make early in our marriage, too, man. We were... Early in our marriage, we would run around and it was like Christmas for an hour or two here and then pack up the car and you got your pack and plays (laughs) and your nap supplies and your snacks that you got to throw in there and you got to drive. Yeah. So uh, I I hear you, man. Sitting in your own home doing some things is pretty nice. And I I mean, my wife fought me or I'm sorry, I fought my wife on it because I was like, we got to go. Like I did this growing up and uh, I'm so glad like so many times in my life I listened to her. Uh, because it's so much better. (laughs) That's smart. That's smart. Well, hey, Landon, why don't you tell us a little bit about your ministry journey and how you got to where you're at now? Yeah, so I'm an East Tennessee native, so I I bleed orange. We're in big orange country. Go Vols. We're not very good. Uh, but that's, that's where I'm at. I was born into this pain. And that's how you know you're a true fan is when you're, when you're dedicated, even when it's not going great. 
just, uh, I was born into this trauma. Um, and so, uh, but we, uh, so I've grown up around here and um, went to went to church my whole life. God saved me when I was in high school. And uh, very, very soon I felt a, a, a very evident call to ministry. And uh, even got to see many of my friends accept Christ in high school. Uh, and so coming out of uh, coming out of school, I, I enrolled. I went to uh, Southern Baptist Theological Seminaries, undergraduate school. And uh, about halfway through my college, I get a call from my previous uh, youth pastor who had planted a church. And he just said, uh, hey, would you be interested in being our youth pastor? And I said, absolutely. And so uh, halfway through college, I jumped in and uh, started in student ministry, ended up becoming next-gen pastor, and now I, I oversee uh, communications and marketing and guest experience for our church and a handful of other things as well. And uh, so I got to kind of start in our youth ministry. When I first started, we were at, uh, we were around 75 people on a Wednesday night, and we were counting everybody. If a cat walked across the campus, we were, we were counting it. Um, and so, uh, and then at the, the height of it, right before COVID, um, and I stepped out right after COVID, uh, we were over 500 on a Wednesday night. And so just getting to see our church here, just be able to uh, just really embody that the next generation matters and to be able to build a team here. Um, it's been awesome. I, I work at Foothills Church in Maryville, Tennessee, and uh, man, I'm just so blessed to get to be a part of it here. And uh, all that God's all that God's doing in our in our all the different ministries that I get to be part of now. I love it. I love it. So specifically in this conversation, we're talking about onboarding, mm -hmm. uh, recruiting, yeah. retaining volunteers. So here's the deal: I, I believe everyone listening right now or watching on YouTube right now probably knows that recruiting volunteers is a vital part Absolutely. of the ministry and what we need to be doing. But yet. Most of us, if we're honest, probably struggle a little bit with it. So let me ask you this. Why do you feel like it's so tough to recruit, retrain, retain volunteers? And um, what tips do you have for youth pastors that might be looking to improve that? Yeah, for sure. So um, so I, I always start with kind of saying, talking about the growth of our youth ministry and seeing how it went. But what I often don't sometimes talk about is, uh, so in the first year, our youth ministry went from 75 to 300. Um, and so we, it was incredible. God was moving. Kids were getting saved. We didn't know what to do with the growth. We didn't have the leaders. We didn't have the infrastructure. We didn't have the process system, anything in place. We were just preaching the gospel. We were just, just trying to work as hard as we could and, uh, and make things happen. Uh, well, what I don't often talk about is, uh, about a year later after that, um, probably a year and a half maybe a little bit more than that, actually, uh, we got down to where um, the youth ministry was actually less than where we started at. Um, and so we went here quick and then crashed. And uh, that summer, uh, I, I felt God just kind of just really um, impressed upon me that uh, I had built a ministry around a personality and around fun and around an experience but we never had the infrastructure to, to maintain that. Um, and so we didn't have the systems in place. We didn't have the process in place. We didn't have any infrastructure. So we weren't even to maintain growth, and which put us back on a trajectory now of having to, to build systems. So when we talk about why do people struggle to, to find enough volunteers, and I think it's, it's hard because 
we often see recruiting as just a byproduct of ministry growth. So we think, okay, if my ministry's growing, uh, we're going to get more volunteers. We're going to figure out how to onboard them. We're going to, uh, it just becomes a, a byproduct of ministry growth. Um, I think that's the wrong way of looking at it. In fact, um, I think the reason why many youth pastors struggle to recruit and they're always, I need more volunteers. I need more volunteers. And every ministry leader says that. But I think the reason why that's such a prevalent struggle for so many people is they think it's a byproduct, but what it really is, is a process. It's a system and it's a strategy that's going to be executed with a a whole network of constructs and things that you're doing and habits and and systems that are actually going to, to, to make it to where you become a recruiting culture of a ministry that's actually sustained and you kind of have that uh, that that predictable success, if you've ever read that book, that predictable success that's happening with recruiting, but it all starts with being a system, and a lot of people miss that. Yeah, it's tough, right? And a lot of people don't want to do it. In one of your uh, Facebook posts, you talked about um, you don't spend enough time in your church lobby, Yeah, right? You want to un- unpack that a little bit for us? Yeah, for sure, for sure. So, um, so naturally, okay, so if you kind of think about the youth pastor, like what type of youth pastor, you know, most people are hiring, you know, they're looking at guys who can, who can preach. They're looking at guys who are highly relational, um, highly fun and, and are hard workers. And of course that love Jesus. Um, that's, I am not the natural, like extrovert, want to hang out and go to Taco Bell and, and play video games like that's not me like i'm most at home in my office uh with some spotify on and uh, writing and dreaming and, and brainstorming so um i say that because you know we have to one we have to push ourselves uh we have to push ourselves out into the atrium out into the church lobby even if you're the relational guy even if you're not but it also has to become a habit in your life to where you're you're meeting people Um, And so I always talk about, you know, the first place that you should be finding volunteers, of course, is your your atrium and or your lobby or or just after service meeting people. Second place is going to be your your church membership class. Like if there's a membership class going on a Sunday, you better be hanging around uh, because you're going to find new people. But then I think the most underutilized and it kind of goes away from your original question. um, So I hope I'm not steering us at all. But I think one of the most underutilized things is your, uh, your your church management system. And so uh, your, your CMS or your CRM platform, um, a lot of people aren't using the data that's already in there to create leads so you can run those people down actually in the in the lobby. You know, a lot of our, in our system, we have a lot of pictures with our, our partners and we call our members partners. Um, and so for me, I'm able to, I'm able to export lists of people. And now I'm able to, to equip not just myself, but my team and my volunteers to do that shoulder tapping in the atrium. Uh, so I think it all, again, it's kind of like a, a conglomerate of a system of interconnected things so that you can create that, that recruiting system that actually works. That's great. So what about the, the youth pastor that's saying, Landon, you don't get it, man. There's not people in my church that want to volunteer in student ministries. Are there other places that they can look outside of, you know, quote unquote, the four walls of the church? Yeah. So, so I, you know, I think you, you see in the New Testament that when you lead people to Christ, they start leading people to Christ. So number one is if you're evangelistic 
and, and you're leading people to, to faith in Jesus and your church is actually reaching out, yeah, you're going to find new people in the community because, because you're, you're, of course, they're, they're coming to faith in Christ. Um, but I also like to push back on people like that when, when they say that. Because I think there's a question when you say, my people just aren't willing. Okay. Um, my question is, why? Um, because mm-hmm. often it's my people won't. It's the better thing is to say, I haven't led my people to serve. I haven't casted the vision enough to where people want to get engaged. I haven't shared enough stories. I haven't made it personal to them. Oh, it's really easy to blame our senior pastor and the culture that, that our leadership team has created uh, and not take ownership of the culture that we create in our leadership. And so um, I, I understand that it, some cultures are less healthy than others. I get that. Uh, but you have to create culture as a youth pastor. Um, you have to do that. And you have to cast vision. You have to share the stories. Um, and I think when we do that, when we take ownership of that, um, it's we're less of that kind of victim mentality of our culture. And we begin to actually create something really special. Yeah, I, I know for me, um, diving into my current volunteers and saying, who do you know that's like you, yeah. right? And, and like you said, casting that vision, sharing the vision so that they get it and that they have it enough so that they can share it with their friends um, is, is vital. So um, I love that is, is, is constantly sharing that vision of where we're going, what we're doing, how mm-hmm. we're going to get there and why we need more and why they need to help us get, get to it. So, um, you know, what's your thoughts, um, on like parents getting involved as volunteers? What, you know, yeah, and there's a lots of different views on that. Some people are like, never, I would never allow parents. Some are like, man, they're the greatest, you know, some are kind of in between there. So where where are you kind of landing on that hot topic? (laughs) For me, it all depends on the parent, you know, Uh, because they're, I'm very weary of, you know, I'm very weary of somebody who's never been involved in the youth ministry. And then they have a sixth grader and they're automatically in now. Um, I don't want us to be just another landing pad for a helicopter, um, you know, but at the same time, if there's someone who's in our church, who's serving already, who's been actively involved, who, uh, has a, has a track record of, of being involved and engaged. And now in just the space of their life, they want to, they want to help build the, build the house that's building their kids. Um, I'm all about it, but I think it, I guess you just kind of have to, you kind of have to look at track record. You got to look at, at at their their past progress, not their future potential of what they could do, uh, and just handle those things. You know, as a pastor would, you just to know your people. Yeah, so much of that is situational, right? Like, what what's their what's their hidden motive, right? Is it just to keep a spy and eye on yeah. their on their kid, or are they actually really wanting to invest in the youth ministry? Uh, and so I know a lot of guys will say, yes, you can volunteer, but you're not necessarily going to be your child's small group leader, yeah. uh, you know, volunteering somewhere else. Letting the guy that I, that I know and I like, who wants to lead his kids group and, uh, you know, you just like him and you're like, sure, man. And you know, you're like, why are you saying this? Uh, yeah, it yeah. happens. And then you're like, the kid's like, I don't want to come to small group anymore because my dad's there. And I'm like, ah, sorry, man. That's my fault. Yeah. 
<laughs> that and uh, none of my, you know, every time my friends share, I get in trouble for what they said, you know, yeah, so yeah, you want to make sure all uh, careful about yeah. that. Okay. All right. So Lana, we've, we've uh, cast the vision and uh, somebody actually raised their hand and said, I'm in, I want to volunteer. Uh, I think a lot of people, once that happens, their eyes get pretty wide and it's like, whoa, somebody actually is signing up. What do I do? Right. Yeah. And so um, I know for a lot of youth ministries and probably not those listening, but other ministries out there, um, it's kind of like sink or swim. You know, it's like show up and uh, the strong survive and the weak get thrown to the side. So yeah. what's what's that process look like once somebody says, yes, I'm interested. Yeah. Give us a couple tips for kind of that onboarding, what those next steps might look like. Okay. So we might nerd out here for a second. All right, because that's fine. Let's do it, man. Let's do it. The beauty of what I want to do with strategic student ministry and what I want to do with with just my talents and gift sets is a lot of people kind of like to think 30,000 foot view. Um, and so for me, I mean, there are all kinds of places you can find 30,000 foot view of philosophy of ministry. There's orange youth ministry builders, all kinds of great things. OK, for me, I want to get like really, really practical and nerdy. So. Uh, when somebody says they're interested in serving, okay, remember, capture data, capture, 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 and then make sure that that data gets input into a system where you can track every step of the process, okay? There's a lot of great youth ministries out there who are paying admins to do what you could probably build in a week with the system, uh, when it comes to the volunteer side of recruiting. I know admins are so important and do so much more than that, but you could probably put it in a system. So when you're able to capture that data and it needs to go into a system where you can literally see where every single person is in your system um, so that you as the ministry leader can manage, what, uh, can measure what you manage and you can also don't let anybody fall through the cracks. That's a huge thing that I think youth pastors struggle with is if we don't know the person, we don't have a good relationship with the person, it's easy for those people to fall through the cracks. So we need a good place to capture data and make sure that that's integrated into a system, okay? So for me, what I do is, um, you know, I know everybody has a different church database, but you could set this up even outside of your church database. Um, but basically, they're filling out a form, and when that person fills out that form, uh, that data is then going to be used if it's already in your church database and you have forms built out, it can go straight into a workflow function, or you could set that up uh, using like an automation tool like Zapier, uh, where that's able to plug that data into a different service. Uh, but I love scheduling. So kind of my three-step process is a vision meeting, a first look, and a first serve. So vision meeting is you're interested. Okay, let's sit down to a one-on-one, one-on-three vision meeting where I'm going to share with you a story. I'm going to answer frequently asked questions. I'm going to let you know right off the bat that, hey, at, at the end of this process, we got to make sure we promise each other two things. I'm not going to get my feelings hurt if you don't like our ministry and you don't think it's a good spot to serve, and you can't get your feelings hurt if, if we don't think you're the right fit for this ministry either. And so I make sure and say that every vision meeting, um, but when I do vision meetings, uh, I love using a system called Calendly. Um, and so for, for so long, I was just scheduling vision meetings with my calendar. 
Um, I don't have an assistant and haven't had an assistant for years. Um, and so I'm just scheduling them in my calendar. But what's happened with Calendly and when I wasn't, I was scheduling those and then people weren't showing up and I was wasting my time. Well, Calendly now, they're going in, they're finding a time slot that works for them. They're getting a reminder text a few hours before to meet, be sure to meet me at our Connect Center. Um, and they're getting an email. They're getting a follow-up email with the application and background check. And so all of this is just automated from when you jump into our system. Uh, and so they're going to that, that first look, or I'm sorry, that vision meeting, which is the interest meeting. And so if they are like, yeah, this is awesome. Uh, I'm ready to take the next step, okay? Well, we're not signing on the dotted line yet. We're doing what's called a first look. So first look is you're coming in on a Wednesday night or a Sunday morning, depending on what ministry area you lead. Um, and they're basically getting a 45-minute behind-the-scenes tour, getting to meet volunteers. We're teaching them how to use Planning Center app. We're teaching them how to check in. We're teaching them where to go. Kind of the bones of what it looks like to serve. No philosophy, just kind of the bones of here's what it does. Um, and then the... So let's say they're like, first look, I, I contact them the next day. They're like, hey, I loved it. Let's take the next step. Great. It's what we call first serve. So in guest experience ministry, which I lead right now, we do a one-week first serve because it's a little less of a high commitment role. Uh, in student ministry, we always did two weeks. In student kids ministry, two weeks. Where basically you come in and you shadow for two weeks. And at the end of that, it's so important, what we call first serve debrief, to where that person's mm. got to like it. The coach that was hosting them around on a Wednesday night or Sunday mornings got to think that they're a good fit. And me as the ministry leader has got to make sure that they're a good fit as well. And we have that last meeting that could be over Zoom. It could be a phone call. Or if they're just good to go and say, hey, you're in. And that's where it's like, are you committed to go to the ministry for the rest of the year? And uh, so that's really kind of our three-step process. But but there's all kinds of little things that happen in between, like background checks and and you got to make sure that they have their their training videos done, and uh, but all of that can be managed in a system where you can see it at a glance, and that's one of the things at Strategic Student Ministry that we set up, and we actually come in and we'll create that system for you um, if you don't have time to do it, and um, and so, but I think that's so key uh, is being able to see it all at a glance and be able to set it up for you. Okay, so you talked about training. Yeah. Okay, so uh, love it. Some three simple steps to, to kind of get them going here. But uh, you mentioned training, and um, even beyond the initial training, there's the retention part or yeah. there's the development part of your leaders. So um, what are you suggesting for uh, <laughs> some of that training material? Uh, when is it, when's that happening? What are you guys covering? Yeah. What's, what's going on with some, some of the, the – suggestions for leadership training. Mm -hmm. Yes. Yeah, so, uh, I bake, I break it down into, um, and this was a system that we started in our student ministry. Now our whole church uses it. Um, but it's called basics. And so we call it basics here, but what it really is, is, um, we have a basics level one, level two and level three. So our level one is going to be our entry level training. Um, so these are things that as a volunteer, if you're going to show up on a Wednesday night as a small group leader and you're going to shadow, and we never let people just start as a small group leader. We always have them as a co-leader um, or an assistant first. Um, but these are just kind of the, the things you need to know before you ever start. And there's some things that, uh, man, if you were to meet with like legal counsel or something, like your lawyers and your insurance might be 
very upset that you haven't taught your leaders something every single year about what to do in crisis and what, to, you know, just kind of those policy and procedures type things. Um, and so uh, we're, we're going, we're putting all of our volunteers back through that just about every single year. And so that's that level one training, entry level stuff, level two training. All right. And we're, we're videoing all this. Uh, we're set up at a, you know, a studio right there. So I have a light, I have a phone and I'm teaching. Um, and, and so level two training is going to be that entry, or I'm sorry, not entry. It's going to be that specific level training. So there's two ways that we do this at level two. Uh, we're going to use face training. So if you're familiar with the, all the face content from Orange. Uh, so we're basically going to, to take all the face content and we're going to put it into a 15-minute a training video uh, all, all that we can and say, hey, this is what it's like to lead a sixth grader. And, uh, and this is how sixth, leading the sixth grade boys small group and uh, is completely different than the ninth grade girls. And they're completely different than the junior guys. Um, so we're going to do those kind of specific training based upon their, uh, the demographic that they're leading. But then we're also going to, throughout the year, we're going to use level twos as a way to train on specific issues. So, for example, one that I really love is we do um, in our student mission, we always did like a big evangelistic night. Um, and so it'd be an invest and invite night. Uh, before that training, about three weeks before we had that, that big night where everybody, we would do a training. But we would do it all online. We would set it up. We'd video. There'd be assessments at the end of it. Um, and, and what would happen is we'd say, okay, you need to go through how to salvation counsel and how to counsel on baptism. And then on that Wednesday night when they showed up, we would read the list of everybody who's completed it because you never get 100% completion. Uh, and then only those people were able to get a green wristband, which means only those people mm. were able to counsel on a Wednesday night, which means everybody knew how to use the form to capture data, uh, and they knew how to actually have a good salvation conversation and be able to report back to us whether that person was a red light, green light, or yellow light uh, on their decision that night. And so we would do that. You know, if we're about to have an evangelistic night, we'd do that. We did a series called, uh, we borrowed it from John Tyson's church, Controversial Jesus. And it was on gender and LGBTQ and abortion and just kind of these hot topic issues. And uh, we would send out training through an online platform um, that, that would allow them to go through it. And then again, we would know who's going through that. And so we would we'd go grade specific and then also kind of event specific or seasonal specific training. Uh, and then level three is leadership training for our coaches. We have a volunteered leader, coach, leadership structure for our leadership development pipeline. Um, and so we, we, we have training that's also reserved just for our coaches. Um, I love using, if you're looking, if you're, your listeners are looking for a, a great uh, way to host that, we use Ministry Grid. Uh, and then if you want a, a really awesome but more pricey Kajabi is a great way to uh it's it's expensive but it's a great way to host those courses uh for your church in a way that's uh, really smooth and integrated with other applications so good so i, I know you mentioned a lot of uh you know re-recorded and then sent those out mm -hmm. and followed that are you guys doing in-person live trainings as well to supplement some of that or are you doing all digital pre-recorded we try to bring our volunteers in one to two times a year. We'll do it at the beginning of the semester and usually at the halfway point. Um, 
and 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 sometimes we'll do like an appreciation event, uh, you know, things like that. But um, you know, in our context, we are in the mecca of high school football, um, and so everything revolves around sports in my city. So. You know, it's hard to get anybody in the room. And and so recording that training and, and treating it as an online course uh, allows our our success rate to go much higher than actually bringing people in the room. And it can be reused. I mean, that's the that's the best part. It just stewards everybody's time better. That's great. All right. So uh, I'm, a, I'm a fairly new youth pastor or maybe I'm a little bit seasoned, but I want to take my leadership development to the next level. Um, what are some of the key topics you feel like I got to be covering with my volunteers, um, fairly regularly? Yeah. Um, so I would, I would just say that one, we need to be, we need to, okay. I, I say this all the time that when I was in high school, when I was in high school, I felt like the, I felt like the battle that the enemy was waging was for me to behave badly. So there were so many behavioral modification messages and, and, and don't have premarital sex and don't smoke and don't do drugs. And it was just very behavior focused. So I really think as you dive into Gen Z, I don't think the battle is to behave badly. I think the battle is to believe badly. So to where mm. the culture, and again, I'm referencing John Tyson again. I'm a, I'm a John Tyson head. Um, but uh, he talks a lot about how the, the culture used to kind of be built on psychology. And so everybody would come in and, and their pastor was kind of their, their glorified therapist. And they could teach them how to you know, deal with their anxiety and their anger. And, and everybody loved it. Well, now our culture is not really built on psychology. It's built on sociology. So what we have to think about as youth pastors is, okay, these kids are being discipled and they're being discipled pretty intellectually through TikTok and YouTube and people who are, are a lot smarter than the average Christian are able to get their voice out to the masses. So I think the more you can do on helping people have a compelling, compassionate, cultural apologetic to help kind of break down arguments and to understand um Hey, what's the what's the driving factor behind this belief? Uh, you know, everybody wants you know, identity is everything. You identify as this, you identify as that. Okay, what what's driving that? And let's get to the bottom of that. So I think the more we can train our leaders on those cultural issues, uh, I think the more we're going to be ready uh, to actually to reach students where they're at. And then uh, I think the other thing is just um, I think the other thing is just is just caring for your volunteers and, and teaching them how to soul care. Um, and I'm not a big self-care guy, uh, but I do. I am very, very passionate about making sure that your volunteers are healthy. And uh, and so I think anything we can do to just, I think anything we can do to to help them in that area and train them is going to be is going to be worth it. And ultimately, I know that's not the goal, but it does help your retention a lot as well. When a volunteer, you know, when a volunteer, we talked about retention just a few minutes ago. But when a volunteer is healthy, and a volunteer is growing, and a volunteer is also able to be relatable with the student because they know what's going on. Uh, well, they're going to feel a lot more fulfilled and satisfied to serve in your ministry. And that's going to help everybody. Yeah. So recruiting is a big deal, but I think retention is even yeah. bigger, right? Because if we have great retention, 
then we don't have to recruit as much. Yeah. So you just gave a couple tips there, but any other kind of, uh, you know, big moments or things that we could be doing to increase our volunteer retention? Yeah. So I talked about how you, you know, a lot of times we would say that, you know, uh, recruiting is just a byproduct of growth. Um, well, I think also as you grow your ministry, retention begins to slip very quickly. Um, and so I think the most important thing you can do to, to work on your retention rates, because I, there's a, there's a book out there. Um, it's called stop recruiting and start retaining. Uh, because if you'll retain your volunteers, you, obviously you're not going to need to, to recruit, but I think not recruit as much. Um, but I think the thing about retention is retention is driven by culture. The better your ministry's culture is, the better your retention rate's going to be. So I might, you know, if there's a youth pastor out there who is, you know, like, well, you know, I, I don't have a good culture and I can't retain my volunteers. And this is what I would call, uh, I call this the culture conundrum. Okay. Yeah. Nice fancy word conundrum. I can't spell it, but I can say it. Um, and so here's what the culture conundrum is. Okay. Uh, I need to retain my volunteers or I need to recruit more volunteers, but I can't because my culture is bad. Okay. So you go, step one is I need more volunteers, but I can't because my culture is bad. Well, why is my culture bad? Well, because I can't retain and recruit volunteers and I can't retain and recruit volunteers because my culture is bad. So I feel like a lot of youth pastors get caught in the culture conundrum. They can't figure it out. And so what I talk about is that um, what you need to do when you get caught in the, the washing machine cycle of the culture conundrum, okay, you really have to zero in your focus on one strategic goal. And then you need to align everything you're doing in your ministry towards that one strategic goal. Yes, we all have our biblical goals of making disciples and make disciples, but I'm talking about, again, ground level stuff here, all right? We need to get really strategic. So if you're in that place where your retention rates are bad, okay, then make your strategic goal to fix your culture. And here's what I mean. Here's how you're going to do that. All right, one, we're going to align everything around being a healthy culture first, even if growth begins to slip off, even if kids and groups start to kind of fall to the wayside, okay, long term, we got to fix our culture issue. So what I talk about is, is create that strategic goal, apply exorbitant amount of energy, budget, bandwidth, everything you have into fixing your culture issue. Even if you got to like fake it till you make it for a season, like put it on your back and through the power of the Holy Spirit, like fix the culture issue uh, because once you fix the culture issue, your culture is good. So you retain more volunteers and you recruit more volunteers. And because you retain and recruit more volunteers, your culture gets better. And so now the cycle becomes reversed and you begin to create a much healthier culture, a healthier ministry. And that's going to ultimately be so much better for your kids and your community. But you got to fix the culture first. That's right. That's right. So uh, I love to hear from leaders. Um, you know, you, you referenced a little bit about not being super into self-care, but we know that you do things intentionally to be renewed and refreshed so that you can lead strong. Yeah. So I would love to hear what is it that you're doing to renew yourself? Yeah. So I, uh, you know, 
I, I love to, so I'm a, I, I fought professionally. Um, and so I am, I, my family business, we own a martial arts and combative school. Um, and so I love stepping into environments where I'm not pastor Landon. Um, mm. For me, that is so freeing. Pressure's not on. Um, and so I do a lot of kickboxing. I teach and I coach kickboxing. Uh, I used to travel all around the U.S. doing that, uh, doing uh, uh, professional karate. And uh, I do Brazilian jiu-jitsu as well. And so it's hard to think about it's hard to think about all the problems that are in your ministry when there's somebody across from you trying to choke you. Uh, uh, <laughs> you're not thinking about your issues at church ministry um, when 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 there's somebody standing in front of you who wants to 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 jack your jaw. Uh, and so for me, that is so freeing. And maybe that's a little sadistic of me, but I love getting hit and hitting someone in a healthy, competitive, combative way. Uh, and it could be anything. It could be hiking. It could be whatever you do uh, that gets you out of that environment. I think that's so important. Um, and, and also just allowing, uh, getting that physical energy out um, is, is for me is so renewing. Um, also, I just, I love listening to uh, I love listening to sermons on my Sabbath of other churches, and so I'm a crazy guy. I like to go work out and sit in the sauna for like an hour and listen to a message. And I come out of there and I feel so renewed. I like you'd think I'd be like dried out, like a you know like a dried out sponge, but I come out with more energy and more charisma. And my wife's like, "What happened to you?" I was like, "I went and listened to a Matt Chandler sermon in the sauna and did some push-ups. I'm good now. Like, let's go." So for me, it's just that physical. That physical thing just really renews me. Uh, I love it. I'm I'm pumped up, man. Uh, and if you're watching on YouTube, I'm sure you're you're fired up to get ready to go as well. So, but uh, I know that some of you guys are listening, and you're you're just felt like you just drank out of a fire hose, and you're like, I don't know how I can consume all of this. First of all, go back and listen to it again. But uh, also consider taking a look at Landon's course on, on uh, with onboarding and recruiting, where he begins to break down even more in detail each of these steps. Uh, you can go to strategicstewmen.com and take a, take a look there. Uh, he's been so good as to give us a $50 discount if you use the code SYSTEM22. That's SYSTEM22. Go to strategicstewmen.com. Put in that code and uh, take a look at the course and uh, break down your system for onboarding and training volunteers even more. So I want to say thank you, Landon, for joining us. Uh, great conversation. So much great information and content here. And uh, I want to encourage you guys to take a look at a couple other of our episodes. You can go to episode 47, which is Unstuck, Questions Every Leader Must Answer with Chris Songson. Great, great stuff there. Uh, you can also listen to episode 12, which is Recruiting and Keeping Student and Adult Leaders with Bo Dore, uh, talking about uh, those systems in a little bit different way. Uh, episode seven is building a leadership pipeline in your church with John Brown, talking about looking all the way down into the, your kids ministry and starting there and how to develop that through kids ministry and junior high ministry and high school ministry, that it's not just you, but it's a whole team. want to encourage you guys to take a look at our network uh, of youth pastors where we provide uh, interaction 
um, and uh, great content there. You can go to renewleadership.org slash network to join. And uh, I'm excited to bring you guys another conversation here soon. So thanks for listening. Landon, great to connect, man. Thanks for the great stuff.